Beyond the Fairways. With PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. This is Beyond the Fairways, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions for nearly 30 years on the PGA Tour. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Coming up, our guest. This is going to be a lot of fun. Peter Jacobson. Looking forward to hearing from him. 831 PGA Champion Tour starts for Peter and now making a career, obviously, in television, business side of golf. So looking forward to visit with Peter Jacobson, but looking forward to visiting with uh, Jay Delsing as well, too. Danny Mack, it's always great to be with you. And what about your four Emmys? Oh, yeah. 30 well, years on the PGA. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's nothing. Deal. Everybody's got an Emmy. I got Emmys just laying in the trash can at home, folks. Everybody's got an Emmy. It's it's crap. That's awesome. It's great to be with you. You do this. I look at you. You do this stuff like you're in a rocking chair, and I get on the mic, and my hair's on fire, man. <laughs> you make me laugh, though. I, I can't get through some of the segments because we have so much fun doing this. I, I do. I, it, it really is fun. And the, Peter Jacobson, besides being a good friend, He's such an interesting guy. He's a smart guy. He's he's diverse. He's got a lot of different interests, and he's a hell of a player too. Danny won a, the Senior Open, and he won. Oh man, uh, I don't. I, I know he was on the uh, Ryder Cup team, and, yeah. and a lot of other just great accomplishments. Well, eight hundred and thirty-one starts PGA or Champions Tour combined. I mean, that's when you're a pretty darn good player that's a lot of starts on the, on both those tours yeah and it speaks to what kind of game he has to be able to stick around that long and the love for the game as well and probably fairly injury free i'm gonna i'd love to you know he'll talk about that it's hard to get us old guys on and talk about what hurts you know but um the thing that I want to talk to Peter the most about, Danny, that I don't think people appreciate, you know, he's obviously a good broadcaster, obviously a great tour player, but he was a really good business person and yeah. did a lot of interesting things that people may not know. He started a production company. He's run golf tournaments. He's He had the Fred Meyer Challenge for about 20 years up in Portland, which has been copied multiple times over when we had Fax, Brad Faxon on the show. Uh, he and Billy Andre did the CVS Charity Classic up in the that, Northeast, right? Yeah, and that was yeah that was up in Rhode Island and at Providence, and and that was an exact replica of the Fred Meyer Challenge. In fact, Peter's management company came over and ran it for years and years and maybe forever, but at least launched it for them to help get them started so that they could, you know, start giving away. Geez, Danny, they raised millions of dollars over there in Rhode Island, Brad and Billy did. So I'm sure we're going to get into that. I also want to get into his start in television. I always think it's fascinating to see these guys transition from uh, being inside the ropes as a player to being inside the ropes as a, a broadcaster, a commentator. So we'll get into that. But also, uh, he had the call of the U.S. Open. And you and I have talked a lot about this, the, the crowds at L.A. Country Club, how it was all situated, and just to get his opinion as a guy that had boots on the ground, what he thought about that, how the USGA set it up, and and really the lack of crowds. Yep. Good, bad, and different, but it'll be interesting to hear his viewpoint. Yeah, no question. And Wyndham Clark, is uh, he went to Oklahoma State, but he transferred to the University of Oregon, and Peter is a staunch Oregon duck. He went to, to school there and is a huge supporter of Casey Martin and, and their program. And so there's that connection as well. You know, L.A. 
north, L.A. Country Club is such an interesting place. So one of these days when you and I are, are traveling and, and, and we get out of the West Coast, we're going to play there, and you're going to go, whoa. Because there's just, it's it's quirky, you know, and I, I wonder, and you could kind of see it on TV, um, the first tee shot, you know, sits right alongside the 18th green, and then the ninth green sits right next to the 10th tee, and it's it's just real tight, Danny. So it's old school. George Thomas, in my opinion, did a phenomenal, I love that golf course. But when you put it in the modern game and you start thinking about the modern player and you start thinking about television, the trucks, the bigness of it, it's challenging. And so it'll be fun to talk to Peter and see what it was actually like. So that was a massive undertaking. The other massive undertaking that we seem to ask all our guests about just to get a varying of opinions is about live and what's happening with the PGA tour. And as a guy that, that played on the tour like yourself for a long, long time, Peter did as well. I always say, and I hear you talk about it. The dream was, Hey, I want to earn my PGA tour card. If I can get to that level, win some events, qualify for events, make a living out of it, man, that's the dream. And then all of a sudden you have these guys with live in one way, you can respect, I guess, the fact that they went for the money. It's it's individual's choice. It is uh, independent contractors as a player. But also, it's the other side of it, the pride of playing for the PGA Tour. And as a guy that's intimately involved in that, like you are, like Peter, it's always, uh, to me, interesting to get the varying viewpoints of what's happening now in the, the world of golf. Well, and, and, and Denny, I know Peter will have some intel from Ed Hurley. And Jimmy Dunn. I know he knows those guys well. And Peter's been on the policy board and all those things that we all know about. So it'll be it'll be interesting and 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 um never a dull moment with Peter. No. You know what reminds me, this reminds me a little bit because Peter's got such a good sense of humor, but um uh the Gary McCord when we when we sat yes. down with Gary because we were talking about his entry into television and the Pat Summerall falling into a salad and Frazier <laughs> right. Canyon and all that is is interesting. But I gotta tell this this Peter Jacobson story. Maybe I should tell it afterwards when his son his son Mick caddied for him one time. Oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah let's do yeah. that afterwards. I'm sure you're going to get into it. Yeah. Peter's waiting on the line, so we're going to get to Peter Jacobson coming up. And this is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways Player Profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. Well, let's bring in one of the great ambassadors for the game of golf. 831 starts on the PGA Tour. 
and combined with the Champions Tour. 831. Tremendous analysts on television as well, and that is Peter Jacobson. Peter, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure and a, a privilege to visit with you, and thanks for coming on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, guys. It's always great to talk with you. One of the things that I want people to understand about you, besides being a great golfer, talk a little bit about some of the business dealings. One of the things that I've always respected about you was you were also a businessman, and there are not very many of those guys out on the PGA Tour. Well, along the way, Jay, I always had uh, opportunities pop up, and I took advantage of those opportunities because you never know when you're going to make your last three footer. You never know when you're going to have to go in different directions, which is one of the reasons I started deviating or moving toward television. I started doing television back when I was 25, 26 years old, way back when the, when the skins game was still going on, on Thanksgiving weekend, I had that opportunity to do it and I did it. But also along the way, I had an opportunity to create tournaments which uh, started the company that I still own, Peter Jacobson Sports, where we create, we manage, we operate tournaments, PGA Tour events, specialty events. And then that led us to consulting as well. So we've consulted for some of the large corporations in the game. I was asked to be be in the couple of movies. I did Dead Solid Perfect with Randy Quaid and then Tin Cup with Kevin Costner and I've written a couple of books and uh, with our buddy Payne Stewart and Mark Lye, we had the chance to do a rock and roll record. We did actually two of them with my daughters still talk about it. They still talk about <laughs> some of those songs and we sing them. And then when low riser comes up, you know, from the, the, um, the, the real version of it, the original version of it, they're like, dad, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I got to tell you this one, one great story we get to play with a lot and get to know a lot of people in the celebrities in the world. And at the AT&T, I got to know and play with Huey Lewis, the great rock and roller, Huey Lewis in the news. And we were sitting backstage one time and Huey said, Hey, maybe we could do a song together out there on stage. And Jan said, Huey, I want, do you guys know hitting on the back of the range? And which obviously is a takeoff on the great, uh, hitting on the back, uh, sorry, hit, uh, sitting the on the dock of the, of the bay. bay. Yeah. By Otis Redding. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and Huey always laughs. Now, whenever he sees Jan and I, he always goes, Hey, do you think, you know, hitting <laughs> on the back of the range? <laughs> so yeah, we, we, uh, we had a lot of fun. Believe me, I'm almost 70 years old now. And I, I can look back on my career. I wasn't the best player in the world, but I wasn't the worst player in the world. But I, I guarantee you, I had, I had more fun than anybody in the world of golf. Jake, I can remember playing with you and Huey, and I think we were playing at Spyglass, and Huey was kind of new to the game and had some struggles, let's just say. And he was really getting frustrated, and at one point he took his wedge and just kind of gave it a little backhanded whip towards the bag, and you looked over at him and said, hey, you're not good enough to throw a club yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is another uh, that is another phrase that he always reminds me of. He says he says that when he would get mad now, he always says, Peter told me I'm not good enough to get mad. I'm not good enough to get pissed off. So uh, 
it's good to be remembered in uh, in certain ways. What's amazing to have 831 starts on both the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour, and now that that has kind of come and gone, what what is your competitive itch? What what fills that com- competitive void in in what you were doing for 831 starts, which is remarkable? It's interesting, and I know I'm I'm speaking probably for Jay as well, is that when you're in the competitive venue like we were on the PGA Tour, on the Champions Tour, that competitive fire never goes away. That itch is always there. I miss it. When I watch when I watch these tournaments and the Champions Tour events, I wish I were out there. I wish I had a tee time. I wish I was still competing. I wish I was still in the mix to have a chance to win. So that never goes away. But we always have to temper our expectations. Oh, so now as as I've gotten older, and I don't hit the ball as far. I don't hit it as well. I don't practice and and work on my game as much as I used to. But I still love to get out with my friends back home uh, and my brother back out in Portland, Oregon, where I used to live, where I grew up. And we love to go play. And we still work on our swings. We still work on our putting strokes. Uh, we always want to be the best player we can be on that day. So that competitive itch never seems to go away no matter what level you're playing at at the time. I want to focus on the U.S. Open for a minute. We got to play L.A. Country Club, and I know you played there, and it's just such a great venue, but I really felt like the USGA missed the boat with the spectator. The, the whole thing seemed so antiseptic and I, or, or, or something to me. Just It, it, it was just missing the real golf fan and LA is a tough market. I, I get that. But what were your thoughts? I was really honored to be on that broadcast team with NBC. I was there all week long and it was really fascinating. I had played there as an amateur. I played there in college. I went to university of Oregon. So I played the Pacific coast amateurs there and I had played at LACC over the years. And I think it's a fantastic golf course. One of the most unique layouts I've ever played. And I think it was, I think the USGA maybe was hamstrung a little bit with the requirements that the LA Country Club membership had given them. As you said, Jay, it is a very tough piece of property. Can you imagine the value of that property oh, downtown gosh. Los Angeles? <laughs> trying to trying to get all those specta- spectators and, and broadcasters and players in and out of the golf course, that was a logistical nightmare. And the USGA and LA Country Club membership, they pulled it off beautifully. I was so impressed, but I do agree. The way the first tee and the 18th green sit, they didn't have a lot of spectators able to get close to the golf course. So it didn't really feel like a, it almost felt more like a club, uh, like a club event, like a, like a member guest rather than a major championship. But I think that was simply due to the, to the layout of the golf course. Uh, my brother David actually was the starter on the 10th tee there during the U.S. Open. And the 10th tee was right next to the ninth green. So every time he would start a group on the 10th tee, he'd have to look over and make sure that he was not doing it while guys were putting on nine. So I think a lot of times the logistical problems happen with the layout of the golf course where the greens and tees are situated, but I love the golf course. I thought the tournament was great and the finish was fantastic. Wyndham Clark, I've always thought, is a is a wonderful young man, wonderful story. 
he had started his college golf at Oklahoma State, and he ended up at my alma mater, the University of Oregon. So he's a, he's a quality player, long hitter, strong player. So I was really proud to see him become the U.S. Open champion. That's great to know because we, you know, you, you get a limited perspective on the golf course from TV, and I play there so many times. And you're right, the challenges, it makes so much sense what you're saying because literally the 10th tee, you know, is five steps from the back edge of the ninth green. So that that's that's great to know. If you miss the green on the right, long right, uphill par three, if you miss it long right, that ball's going to roll off onto the 10th tee. So my brother David said, he would stand there on the back of the green and he actually had to hold players. He had to, he'd just have to actually stand there and wave his arms and say, guys, wait, don't putt. I'm going to announce these players to go off 10. And as you know, being a USGA guy standing on the tee with a coat and tie and <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know, he looked, he looked official. So everybody paid attention. <laughs> Peter Jacobson is our guest, and, and Peter, you're to be commended for what you've done on, on television. You're one of the best analysts, not just in golf, but also in sports. When you were playing, did you have any inclination that this might be something in your future? Did other TV guys come to you? Did other players? How did it all come about for you? And, and did you have any inclination that you might be doing this in your future when you were playing? Well, kind of like Jay Delsing, I've got a gift to gab. Jay and I both, when we played, we oh, would does he ever. hit a shot. And then we couldn't wait to get back to our whatever story we interrupted to hit that tee shot on number seven. <laughs> so I think along the way, uh, I had had some discussions with some of the network people about maybe doing television. And I started on network back in the early 90s. I started with ABC. I did that for a little bit, but I really had that itch to go back and finish playing. And then when I became a, when I became on the Champions Tour, when I turned about 53, 54 years old, I had to have a hip replaced and a knee replaced. And Tommy Roy, the great producer, sports producer for uh, NBC, he came to me and said, would you have any interest in maybe doing some work for us? Which I jumped at because I was, I was down. I was uh, rehabbing my hip and my knee. So I started with NBC and I, I love doing television. I it's the it's the next best thing to being inside the ropes, hitting shots and 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 putting. And what I've always tried to do is just get inside the player's head. I always try to tell the the viewer what I thought the player was thinking. There was there were two things that I always wanted to do, and I learned this from the great Don Olmeyer when I started doing television with Vin Scully at the at the Skins game was. Number one, don't repeat what people can see on TV. Don't tell people that the ball's on the green, that it's two feet from the hole, that that ball went in the bunker, that that ball's in the fairway. They can see that. They can figure that out for themselves. And number two, tell them something they don't know. The Jay Delsing changed his driver before the final round. Brian Harmon is uh, trying a new, a new cleat on his shoes today because he was slipping all week. Tell the viewer something they don't know. And and that's all I tried to do. I, I always I always like to shut up and let let the viewer listen to the birds chirping and the players talking with their caddy. Try to announce or, or present with brevity. I try to say a few words, make your point, and then shut up. 
too many of the announcers I see on TV today, a lot of the kids coming into the game, it's almost like they're on radio. They talk nonstop. We don't need that. We can, television is a, uh, TV is a visual medium. We can see what we need to see. Just tell me, just try to fill in the gaps for things that I don't know. I find that fascinating because you have learned over the years, I'm sure, to lay out like you just mentioned, but also tell me something I don't know. So if you're trying to get to a player, how do you uh, nurture the relationships, especially this day and age? Well, I'll, I'll use this example. I mean, a guy like Tiger, very tough to get to, very private. How do you try to get to those guys that are like that to give the viewer like myself something that I wouldn't know about them? I think it's it's an invasion whenever you get to know a player personally. If I get to know Arnold Palmer, say, and I'm I'm out to dinner with Arnold and I play a lot of practice rounds with Arnold, I, I think it's a bit of a betrayal of a personal relationship to, to mention some things that he tells you in confidence. But I'm not on there. This isn't this this is not inquirer TV. I'm not I'm not an actual inquirer writer. I'm going to tell the viewer on a golf broadcast something about their swing, their demeanor, the way they approach the golf course. If I and I've covered Tiger many, many times, Tiger is unrelenting in his desire to win. No matter what he does, he will always try to get the advantage to win. And and I I focus on that. That's the one thing about different players. Some love the moment. Some don't love the moment. And if a player doesn't love the moment, tell me why. Tell me why you don't think that he is in the position to win. Now, with Brian Harmon, there was a lot of comments made about Brian Harmon's. They said, you don't have the stones to win. Of course, you're over there in England, and you're in basically Tommy Fleetwood's home home hometown. So everybody's pulling for Tommy Fleetwood. So Brian, Brian, as Jay knows, Brian is he's a, he's a short guy. He's He's more like a Corey Pavin. He's he's five foot six, five foot seven, but he's tough as nails. And when I saw that he had a five shot lead after 36 and the people were catcalling him saying he didn't have what it took to win. I knew he was going to win because when you push players like Brian Harmon or a Corey Pavin, they are going to, they are going to, they're going to overachieve and they are going to win. So, but as a, as a broadcaster, I need to tell the viewer why. Use my personal relationship with that player, like a Brian, like a Corey Pavin. Why is that player going to overcome the obvious deficits in terms of, like, for example, size uh, and length off the tee? Why is why is that player going to overcome those situations and win? Uh, I just I don't think you need to jump in and say, yeah, Corey Pavin likes eggs over easy. I had breakfast with him this morning and he, he eats bacon instead of sausage. I mean, that's, that's irrelevant in my opinion. Hey, Peter and Jay, if you can hold on for just a moment, need to tell our listeners about factor with the busy fall season, just around the corner, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Jay and I use this every single day. We've turned on our friends about it, our family about it, because you're going to save time, eat well, stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy 
with your end-of-summer goals to cook but want to make sure you're eating well. With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up too. Get it with Factor. Refresh your daily habits, healthy habits, without missing a beat. Choose from 34-plus weekly flavored-packed dietitian approved meals ready to eat in two minutes. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch. Keep your energy up with Lunch to Go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers. Look for calorie-conscious options ahead of the busy season. Try delicious 550 calories per serving meals. It's all with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash BTF50. Use the code BTF50. You're going to get 50% off. That's code BTF50. At factormeals.com, BTF50, get 50% off. We had the great and gracious Barbara Nicholas on the show just two weeks ago. And one of the things that was amazing when Danny and I were doing our, our prep is the amount of money that just Jack and Barbara themselves have raised. And one of the things that sticks out in my mind when I think about you is the Fred Meyer Challenge and all of the things you've done for Portland. Talk to us a little bit about that. And then, Jake, also talk about the guys that you looked up to on tour when you were first on, because when I first got on, you were one of the people that I looked up to and and, and your business, with your business acumen and, and just your personality, it, it definitely was was something that I, I, I really admired. The game of golf leads us in that direction, Jay. I think when we start as young players on tour, we're always focused on us. I'm focused on me. You're focused on you. And we want to be able to, to raise our family and make money and, and accomplish the, the difficult task of becoming a champion on the PGA Tour. And once you win your first tournament and then you win your next and your next, you start to realize that, that you have a responsibility to give back. And that's the one thing that I always learned from people like Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and all the greats, the Ben Hogan's, the Byron Nelson's, uh, the Bob Goldie's, I could go on and on, but that's the nature of the game. Once you reach your, your satisfaction, put it that way, you start to realize that there's a lot more in life and it's time to quit worrying about you and start giving back to others. And I think nobody has done that like Barbara Nicholas and Jack Nicholas. And I would throw Arnold Palmer in there too. And also Tiger Woods, what Tiger Woods has done with his foundation. Uh, there really is no game like the game of golf to be able to give back to charity. Think of all the tournaments that we play and the communities we play in and the charities that those communities support. And as a result, that Jay Delsing and Peter Jacobson, we uh, indirectly support those communities and those charities by playing in those tournaments. But I think eventually it gets to the point where you want to make a, you want to make a point, you want to make a statement in your hometown. And that's what I did in Portland with tournaments like the Fred Meyer Challenge and Brad Faxon and Billy Andre. They did that up in Providence, Rhode Island, with the CBS Charity Classic that that my company ran for so many years. But I think, as I said, when you talk about people like Barbara Nicholas and Jack, they set the table and they basically tell all of us young guys, this is how to do it. Once you make yours, once you become you, 
and you won your tournaments, it's now time to start thinking of other people and giving back. And nobody has done it like Jack and Barbara Nicholas. Peter Jay's talked about this all the time. He says, man, it was my dream as a kid to play on the PGA Tour, to earn that card. And I'm going to assume that that was one of your dreams as well. And so having said that, when you see what's going on with the PGA Tour and what's happened now with Liv, just in a general sense, I think our fans that listen to this would love to hear your thoughts. But what are your thoughts on what's happened and transpired with that situation? You're right. As a kid, we all want to gain our access to the PGA Tour by getting our card. We go through the tours, we go through the PGA Tours qualifying school. We get our card, and then you use the PGA platform to be great to win majors. Now, I never won majors on the PGA Tour, but a lot of these players that have won majors on the PGA Tour that that put them in the position to be able to accept that money to go to live. There's only one reason why you would go to live money. That's it. You're not going there for the competition. You're going there for the money. And I would never, never uh, uh, question anybody's ability to take that money and go to live because it's generational money. Let's let's face it. It's it's wealth beyond your comprehension. It's it's hundreds of millions of dollars. But what you're basically being being paid for is to retire from the PGA Tour. All those players that went to live, we don't see them on the PGA Tour anymore. We see them in majors, but those majors, those four majors are not run by the PGA Tour. Those four majors are run by those individual organizations. So playing on the live tour, again, generational wealth. I don't know if anybody could pay me enough money for me to give up my card. I worked so hard my entire career to maintain my card and to stay as an exempt player on the PGA Tour that when somebody came along and offered me $100 million, $200 million, whatever number it would be, I, it would be really hard for me to, to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to tear my card up and take the money. I would have to understand that I'm walking away from competitive golf. And the players that did that, more power to them. But I think that it's disingenuous for these players to say, look, I'm taking this money, but I, I deserve to be able to play on the PGA Tour as well. So it is, it's an unfortunate situation that's happened in golf, and it's confusing. It's confusing to players, to fans, to charities, to sponsors. It's a bad thing. It's a very bad thing what's happening and what's gone on. And, and I know the PGA Tour is trying to work its way out of a very – uh, unfortunate situation with this new deal with the uh, the public investment fund with the Saudis, but it's um yeah it's a it's a very unfortunate and weird situation right now. Peter, to further that, when our commissioner Jay Monahan came out and mentioned the word merger, and I, I think Jake, not only in our precious golf world, our circles are small. Our, you mentioned our sponsors and things like that. I believe that the advice, whoever was advising our commissioner, this is going to go down in the annals of the worst advice and worst prep anyone has ever done 
in the history of sport. Because if if Jay comes out and says, hey, look, it, we figured out a way to end the litigation, and we really believe that's a positive thing, and we're going to explain that to the players. And now we have understood there's some things we need to reconsider. And we're going – he used the worst words he could use. And I got to tell you, and Danny will tell you this, I looked at him and said – what just happened? I mean, it's it's probably the worst day I've, I've ever experienced as we are so proud to carry a PGA Tour card. And I'm like, we just sold golf to the Saudis? What did we do? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge that by saying I'm not sure that Jay ever used the word merger. I do know that in the press release coming out of the PGA Tour, that word was used. And I think it was used in the wrong context because this is not a merger. You, you just said the right thing. We had to do this to get out of this very expensive litigation with that PIF, the public investment fund, and this live situation. The Saudis, the PIF fund, they could litigate the PGA Tour out of existence, and they were well on its way. Don't forget, that's the only reason Liv started was because the PIF wanted to get into golf. So they started Liv as a as a competition to the PGA Tour. And all it did was cause all this consternation and confusion in the world of golf. But I'm going to take the other side of that. I actually think that what Monaghan and the advisors did was the, was the smartest thing for the PGA Tour organization to be able to keep it in existence. I know it looks weird and it feels weird to me because we've always been fairly autonomous and we've always kind of made our own rules and done our own thing. And here we've got this group now, this PIF, the Saudis are coming in and they're dictating the terms. But I think what was done was was the only thing we could have done. We had our we had our back up against a wall, but but back to what you said, I don't think Jay ever said the word merger the word merger was was inadvertently and and uh, uh, it was was used uh, in the in the the information that came out of the PGA tour office but it is not a merger Peter before we let you go my final question I'm going to ask you about two players one may be the face of the PGA tour right now in Rory McElroy and another is Tiger Woods do you see Rory finally getting over the hump again and winning another major. It's been a decade now. And do you see Tiger Woods simply put competing again on the PGA Tour? Those two guys. Well, first, Rory, I was asked that question many times yesterday from people about Rory. Is he ever going to come back? I, I do believe he will come back. Let's not forget Rory's putting himself in position to win. And, Jay, you would agree with me that – I want to be in position. I want to be there in the top five, the top 10 going into the weekend because I have a chance to win. He just hasn't been able to make the right putts at the right time. He hasn't been able to to get over that hump. I do believe he will. I do believe that once he wins his next major, which could be Augusta (laughs) next spring, we don't know the next major. We just don't know. The only person that knows is Rory. I think it's in his head right now. I think right now he needs to get over that mental that mental hump. And I think when he does, I think he will see him win. And with regards to Tiger, I think it's that's one of the 
really big stories in the history of the game is how unfortunate we as golf fans have have uh, Tiger's brilliance has been stolen because of injuries. And that's the one thing that we all want to avoid as PGA Tour players or any athletes in any sport are injuries. Because when you think about what's what's happened with Tiger, he won the U.S. Open in that playoff in San Diego, basically on a broken leg. And he's had Achilles problems. He's had back problems, knee problems. And now he has an ankle fusion. Will Tiger ever come back and win again? I don't know. I would never put it past a great player like Tiger, but it is unfortunate. I think if Tiger had played healthy and injury-free, I think he would have beaten Jack's record of 18 majors. I think by now he might have he might have 22 or 23. It's it's crazy to think about. He might have even, Jake, had 150 tour events. I mean, he would have just, I think the register would have just kept ringing and nobody likes to beat people more than Tiger Woods. Watching Tiger when he first came out on tour, and I remember watching him up in Portland, my hometown, when he won the U.S. won his uh, his sixth USGA championship in a row, three U.S. juniors and three U.S. amateurs at, at Pumpkin Ridge up there, and then uh, then my caddy Fluff went to work for Tiger, if you remember that, and it was a hello world thing when he signed with Nike. I don't think people realized at the time the dominance and the brilliance of Tiger Woods back then. And now we look back and we think, wow, what could have been if Tiger had not had the unfortunate accidents and the, and the health problems that plague a lot of athletes. I think about what would have happened. And I, uh, I think about, about the journey he's had and the places he's been and what he's had to go through and come back from and, it's just, uh, I mean, it's it's a story that that is not completely been written yet, and I just I just wish nothing for the best for Tiger because he's great for the game. Oh my gosh, he is. Roger Mulpey said he is the needle, Jake. Um, what yeah. one of the things that's interesting, and we've heard from um, we have the Ascension Charity Classic here in in town, and and the kind of the driving force behind that. Nick Ragone has has met with Tiger, and he's actually mentioned. The Champions Tour, which initially surprised me. And then if you think about, you know, this competitive Jones that Tiger needs to kind of quench, there's no other place for him to go if, if uh, you know, the, the, the body doesn't rebound at least a little bit. Well, interesting you say that. I'll be, I'll be in St. Louis uh, in a couple of months for the Ascension working for Golf Channel. So I hope, uh, hope our paths cross while I'm there. But it is it is interesting to see Tiger with his son Charlie plays in the PNC Championship every year, and the father's son. I do believe Tiger will play on the Champions Tour because, as we mentioned earlier, the competitive fire, uh, that intense desire to compete and to win, never goes away. And here I am, almost seventy. Jay, how old are you? You're like sixty-two, you're like forty. I have shoes that are I have shoes that are forty five years old at home, Jake. It 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 never goes away. And I think with Charlie now becoming a teenager and gonna play in high school and then he's gonna play in college, I think that's gonna keep Tiger in the game competitive because he doesn't want his son to beat him. No none of us want our kids to beat us, but I think that's gonna keep Tiger in the game if he can play and compete 
because don't forget champions tour you can ride a cart and i think you're going to see tiger hopefully we're going to see tiger play well into uh his 50s on the champions tour well, Peter, we could go on and on with you, and I'm excited to hear that you're coming to St. Louis for the Ascension Charity Classic. So dinner won't be on me, but definitely on Jay when <laughs> yeah, you come definitely. to St. Louis. I got you covered, Jake. I got you covered. <laughs> we get a $12.50 per diem from Golf. <laughs> so McDonald's is on me. Denny's is right near my house, buddy. I live in a really nice area. <laughs> Hey, Peter, thanks for doing this. This was great. Hey, thanks for having me. I'll see you guys in St. Louis. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. That is better than most. Better than most. Maybe. Yes, sir. Here it is. The return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. Man, that was fun. A lot of information there from Peter Jacobson. A little humor along the way, too. I want to get into what he had to say about a number of topics, but uh, you had kind of teased it prior to the interview, a fun story involving you and Peter Jacobson and his son. Right, so we're playing together at the International Tournament, and Peter's Fred Meyer Challenge was always the week after the International because the time of the year and schedule, we never really got farther west than Denver, so they he wanted to... Do it coincide with a PGH tour schedule so the guys wouldn't have that far to travel. And uh, Peter, the, the golf course at the International, Castle Pines, I don't know if you've ever played there. It's it's a beautiful have. Jack Nicholas yeah, awesome. golf course, but it's mountainous, right? Lots of elevation, the trees. Oh, beautiful. man. Amazing. Really difficult place to walk. And Peter's got more of a low ball flight. And it, it just didn't fit, fit him. But he needed to show up <laughs> there in order to get a release from the PGA Tour to play in the Fred Meyer. It's a, it's a long story, but that's not really why we're telling the story. He's got his son, Mick, on the bag. He doesn't have his tour bag. He's got his little carry bag with him, and off we go. We go down the first hole, and Peter hits it in the front bunker, and he's you know doesn't get it up and down, makes a bogey. Goes to the second hole, Danny hits it in the fairway bunker, hits it in the greenside bunker, and then so this so, is like a normal person exactly out there. so peter's having a, a struggle on the front nine and we get to like the sixth or seventh hole and a pga tour official comes up and says peter i know you've had a tough round so far because peter's like six over already and, <laughs> oh, he, and he says i never had a tough round and and but i said we got guys behind you complaining about you know your son not raking these bunkers properly Really? So, oh, yeah. Well, the PGA Tour player did. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, Sticklers yeah, oh, for everything. Uh, yeah, and their livelihood's on the for line. Sure. So they get a ball in that bunker, and it's not raked well. The bunker shot can be hard enough, and you got to put a big pile of sand behind it. And Anyway, so there's some bitching and moaning going on, and Peter, now he goes at the next hole, the seventh hole, and he hits it in a bunker again. <laughs> and so he's showing Mick how to rake it and all this, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm just taking this all in. So anyway, we fast forward to Were the night. Were you laughing hole. at all or trying not? <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh, yeah. but Mick is so Mick is probably a 15 year old kid, and he's oh, okay. and this is mountainous. Dan, you know this is a tough walk. He doesn't really know what he's doing. The bag he, is heavier than he is. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. So okay. we we get into the ninth fairway, and Peter's clearly going to withdraw after nine holes. He's multiple shots over par, and this is stable for system. So he's in the red, and we need to get in the black this week. And we're standing there in the fairway. We both hit the fairway, and, and I'm about 10 yards in front of Peter. And so I'm just standing next to him as he's getting ready to hit his shot. And he hits his shot, and I look up, and he hits it a little thin. And it's an uphill shot, as you would call that second shot. And it, the pin's in the back right, and the, 
the ball's just not going to carry. It's going to fall in that front bunker. And and as it, the ball's coming down to the ground, his son makes it. Oh, no, Dad, not another bunker anywhere but the sand trap. And I looked at him, and Peter starts laughing, and I couldn't I couldn't contain myself. It was so funny. Because I think Peter hit like 12 bunkers That's and nine awesome. holes, and his son's like, Dad, another? I got sand in my shoes. And it was really, really good. I loved his story, too, about Huey Lewis and, and playing golf with him. It is funny how musicians want to be athletes athletes want to be musicians but all i could think about at that time is the amount of people that you two probably have met because of the game of golf and you know it seems like everybody wants to play golf so you get paired up with celebrities all the time but that's fun man that's that's the power of this game it's so so much so danny i i met all the guys from uh hootie and the blowfish huge golfers and darius and Mark Bryan and uh, uh, Sony and and uh, Dean and the, the, those guys and then Dirk Bentley is a just a great guy and he's got a steel guitar player uh, named um, Tim Sheridan and he's just fa- fantastic and um, so we've gotten to know a lot of absolutely I mean real really really lucky that way I thought it was interesting too what he had to say about Rory he will win another major and in his opinion you're in the hunt. You know, you're in you're in the top five, let's say, on Saturday. You're in the hunt. It seems like he's always in the hunt. And then also his thoughts on Tiger. And it's just like, as a fan, I, I really liked how he said it. He says, a fan, we've kind of been paraphrasing here, but we've been robbed as a fan of golf to see what it could have been with Tiger Woods. It was, I love the way he said it. I said Tim Sheridan is Tim Sargent. I'm sorry, that's Dirk's uh, steel drum, uh, guitar player. But you're so right. I'll hold you to that. I know, right? But Tim's a great guy, and he's probably listening. He's like, man, you don't even remember. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but you're so right, and I love the way he said it because, Danny, we're golf nerds. You and I, I mean, how much did we, were we glued to the Masters and watching Tiger and going, it's really sad. I mean, yeah, terrible weather, cold, rainy, and we're thinking it's a worst-case scenario for him, and he guts it out, makes the cut, and – yeah, so in a way, I was hoping that he wouldn't, so you, you could stop watching. But then, in, in the other side of it, my jealousy side of being just a one-sided fan and not worried about how he feels, I'm like, man, what a story that he's even making the cut essentially on one leg. Exactly, and I mean, when you start thinking about this, this kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit to the U.S. Open Auditorium in 2008 with a bad knee and what he was doing to get through that, and then won that U.S. Open. You got to remember, he had to play. Five rounds. That's right. Turn he had to play the extra playoff with Rocco, and so and that yeah, putt, man. that putt on eighteen is still uh, his I, reaction. It's one of the famous iconic shots in golf. I think no is seeing his reaction. No doubt, Danny. I see my putt lipping out all the time. You know how the right <laughs> edge of that hole caught that. I'm like, no, uh, it was fantastic. I I think of the 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 opportunities the special experiences that Tigers provided. It's ridiculous, and I got to tell you, I really really root for Rory. And, and it's hard not to. Yeah. The, the, Especially with what he's done with Liv and saying, I'm, uh, he may not have said this, but he is the face of the PGA right now. Yeah. The, and, and as a, as a fellow tour player, you love what he said. I retire before I go play live. I mean, it's so important for him to adhere to what the PGA tour does and st- stands for and represents. And you got to admire that. So, yeah, Peter. Oh man, there, where where else do we go? There was so much to unpack with that Peter interview, but I loved what he said about Rory and Tiger. One of the things we're going to do on Beyond the Fairways, we have our golf innovations segment, 
And that's what I want to get into, the business side of golf, thanks to Peter Jacobson and other people that have really uh, taken advantage of golf and, and the business side of it. We also have our picks of the week, which I love. We've been red hot, the Wyndham Championship, Greensboro, North Carolina, so we'll get into that as well. This is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. The world of golf is ever-evolving. It's time for equipment and innovations in golf. On Beyond the Fairways. Innovations in golf segment. We heard from Peter Jacobson talking about what he's done with tournaments, his production company, the various things that have come out uh, for his life and the business side of golf. It is amazing. Go back 30 years ago, Jay, to where it was, to what we see now, and the business side of golf for the players. Like you, you were telling me, the pro-ams have been great for business for you. You had a travel company in terms of where you would take people on various trips for golf, play golf, maybe go to the Masters, whatever. But it is amazing how golf opens up so many doors on the business side. Danny, it's, and it's it, changed. And it really has. First of all, it's the number one occupation for Fortune 500 CEOs. They love playing golf. It's, it's the number one thing that they like to spend their time in. And I've seen, I saw it firsthand. I'll, I'll never forget this time. I'm a rookie on the PGA Tour, and I'm playing in the LA Open. And a rules official comes up to me and says, would you like to play in the Pro-Am? It's a Wednesday, and I've let my caddy go on a Wednesday, and I usually just hit balls and practice on my own. I like being by myself and that sort of thing. And I said, sure, we're playing Riviera. I mean, I love Riv. I played it all that time in college. And he goes, well, Fred Couples is pulling out, and you're on the tee in 10 minutes. And I go, oh. So the group that thinks they're getting Fred Couples is now going to get Jay Delsing. And it's he all looks right. at me and he starts laughing and I go, wow. I'd love to play with you. Well, Matter of fact, I do. I know. I, you're kind. But anyway, I'm thinking, he goes, I'll get you a caddy. We'll take care of the caddy, all that stuff for you. Go ahead. Just turn around and go back to the tee. I go, okay, well, I haven't hit any. He goes, going up to the tee, you're up in 10 minutes. But Danny, I was playing with John. I got paired with the first time with John Elway, whom I played with John now. Um, maybe five or six times. Great guy. You're talking about the Hall of Famer. The Hall QB. of Fame qu- quarterback from, from the Denver Broncos, John Elway. Great player, too. Two handicap. Great athlete. Legit? Played with, yeah, legit. Okay. He could smash it. Uh, yeah, pretty legit. Okay. Pretty legit. <laughs> then we, we played with the CEO of, the, of Nissan, 
uh, North America because it was the Nissan LA Open at the time. And then we played with one other business person. And Danny, just the conversations from that day, walking around for four and a half hours around Riviera with those guys, I wasn't even supposed to be in that group. You know, I was like, man, it was eye-opening. And that's when, when I looked at those pro-ams, it was always this opportunity. You're like, these guys are all looking – to do something with golf. It's a, it's a great way to unite people. It's if who, who, wouldn't you rather do a business deal with four hours on the golf course and then sitting around having lunch afterwards and some 30 minute meeting in your office somewhere? Of course you would. It's a, such a disarming environment too. You know, you could, they talked about, you know, stocks. They talked about all sorts of things that I didn't have a clue about. Well, the other thing, too, about the business side is we wrap up this segment, course design. I mean, you think about what Jack Nicholas has done, some of the others, their name is on a course. They go in, they make a lot of money doing this, but that has really changed over the years where you are now getting the input from the player to make the course. This is their design. They're having the input, and that business side of it, man, has changed an awful lot. Oh, it has. It has dramatically, Danny. And when you start thinking about, think about the golden age of golf architecture where you have the Joneses, the Tillinghast, the um, Donald Ross, and and those guys. uh, George Thomas is the fellow that that designed Riviera, L.A., and um, uh, Bel Air, all right, you know, within two or three miles of each other. They all come from this Philadelphia area and all come from the golden age of golf design. But those guys didn't have the experiences that a Jack Nicholas does, an Arnold Palmer did, things like that. Now, they did have a lot of Scottish and European influence, mostly that. But they brought that to the U.S. and carved on a white board. Now you've got Jack Nicholas that's played all over the world from Australia to you know, to the far east and, 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 and everywhere in Scotland and Ireland and, and um, England. And he brings that to the table. That's, I mean, that's what you're talking about. And that's what really can make it special. This is Beyond the Fairways. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Again, Peter Jacobson has been our guest. Go back and listen to our archived interviews. Tom Watson, David Faraday, Barbara Nicholas, list goes on and on. Jay mentioned Gary McCord. It's some of the biggest names in golf, and we drop this every Wednesday. So go back and listen. It's Beyond the Fairways with an S. Coming up, our picks of the week, Wyndham Championship, Greensboro, North Carolina. That's next. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week it's time for the picks segment on beyond the fairways all right this week it's going to be interesting the Wyndham championship not a lot of big names that are going to be a part of this greensboro north carolina sedgefield first of all you've played this course right plenty i probably played 15 times yes okay what do you think of it uh, it's a it's a birdie fest. It's an interesting course. Lots of hills. It's a short course for for modern tour uh, standards. Uh, they'll be making lots of birdies. I'm sure it's going to be in really good shape as well. Because it's short, iron play. I think you got to be locked in. And this guy has been locked in. It's Russell Henley. He is my favorite to win. He has putted well previously at this event. And so you look at the last two months and guys with their iron play. He's right at the top of the list. So. I'm going to go Russell Henley. I love it. Georgia Bulldog. Yep. Tough as nails. This kid is a bulldog in a lot of different ways. He's a Georgia Bulldog. He's a tough kid. I like him. He gets around the lead a lot, Danny, and it's hard to knock him out of there. All right. Your favorite? Who do you My have? My favorite is going to be Siwoo Kim. He won the event a few years ago. He had a good first round in the British Open uh, two weeks ago and then just kind of 
fell uh, 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 to the wayside, but I like Siwoo Kim. I'm going to go with him. All right, dark horse for me, Alex Smalley. This is big. Okay, he is a uh, member at Sedgefield, so he's probably played a zillion rounds there. He's a Duke alum, so local knowledge of that area, Greensboro, North Carolina. So my dark horse is Alex Smalley. I love it. I love it. Alex, Alex Smalley. Smalley. We're going to have to throw a couple Come shekels on, on Alex. Come on, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. He's going to have um, a huge following, following yes. that week for sure. My dark horse is going to be Martin Laird. Martin is uh, – gosh, I played, I played quite a few rounds with Martin when I was um, – uh, on the uh, on the nationwide tour, getting ready for the champions event, and I was really a fan. He's a Scottish guy. Uh, he's won multiple times on the PGA Tour. Had a good finish last week up in Minnesota, and he's streaky, Danny. He plays in streaks. He's played well at uh, Sedgefield before, so we'll go with Martin Laird. And this is a huge tournament for some of these guys. They got to get in the top seventy-five. Everything we 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 talked to Adam Long just last week. He had three. Adam had three really good rounds up in Minneapolis and just said third round, he shot, I think, one over or two over. Just It just puts you in reverse, Danny. With a margin of error. Uh, it, it is. A couple of putts lipping in or the right putt not going in at the right time. And, you know, there you go. So, um, yeah, we, we know what this is the last event before the, the, the FedEx playoffs. We know Justin Thomas is out. We know Gary Woodlands is out. We know that Adam Scott is out. So, um there's a, there's other guys that are that are in that are looking to regain their game. Sam Burns is a guy that yeah. you and I love. We've obviously made some money off of Sam Burns this year, but his game is kind of a little wonky at this point. So, Danny, the thing I keep going back to, and folks, if you're ever going to bet, you got to remember, the tour player makes eighty percent of his money in six events. You don't believe me? Just do the math. Just check it out in six events. So it's a streaky game. You got to have some putts going in. And when the putts start going in, you got to know where that gas pedal is, Danny. You can't take your foot off of it. It, it. What are you seeing with JT right now? I mean, he's on the outside looking in, didn't make the cut in Minnesota. What What's happening with him? Okay. So honestly, he's newly married. There's just some life going on. Here's a guy that's, that's won, a great what's point. He won, Danny, what, 12 times? 13, he's won two major championships, both PGAs. He's got a pile, a pile of money in the bank. Yeah. So, you you know, there's... So you lose the edge a little you bit. Do, you do. You, it's, it's easy. You start thinking about other things. Should we start a family? Should we... You know, now I'm living with this person. What? And, and listen, this is nothing against his wife or marriage or any of that. It's just... Difficult. And I got to tell you, if you look back and when Ricky struggled, it was a lot of the same stuff, D. It's a great it point. It really was. It's it's a, it's a, a wife. It's a lifestyle change. It's some value changes. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, there's two of us out here. You know, I just don't do whatever I want. You know, there's other things to think of. It's, it's difficult. Well, I love this show. Peter Jacobson was a lot of fun. We're going to have Bob Herrick coming up. Great writer from ESPN. He'll be one of our guests, and we're working on a lot of other guests that were uh, efforting, but big, big names coming up, and always fun to do this show with you, Jay. Love it, Danny. Can't wait. Let's just do another one right now. I'm ready. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. This is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Mm-hmm.